this time on episode 354 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Daredevil, season 3, episode 3, No Good Deed, and season 3, episode 4, Blindsided, and weekly Marvel news. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, November 19th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast... New York City-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Play Monopoly Day. No. Would we call it happy? I've played one game that didn't end in a fist fight. I just... No. I do not like that game. If you're interested in learning about how the game of Monopoly came to be, look up the original game when it was called The Landlord's Game. If you're interested, there's an episode of a podcast called The Dollop all about it. Would that be Slumlord's game now? No, it was actually, the game was created by a woman who was part of a socialist Christian sect back in the mid to late 1800s, and it was about communal landkeeping. But the rights got picked up by... Parker Brothers, I think, is who bought it. And they turned it into Monopoly, the game about screwing people over and buying up as much resources as you can. Here's a tip. Never sell your houses. Because <laughs> if you sell your houses, then you get hotels. But if you keep your houses, it prevents other people from buying houses and getting hotels. And this is why I don't play the game, because I know <laughs> all the dirty tricks. It's awful yeah here's another tip never let your sister be the banker Hmm. i can agree with that one my sister was a horrible banker oh mom i'm learning math steals all the money <laughs> something like that yeah. okay it doesn't sound like this is a very happy day for everybody <laughs> on the cast so i'm going to pivot to another national day and you guys don't know about this but happy carbonated caffeinated beverage day I have been celebrating that one. There, that's a better day. <laughs> and we can call it pop, we can call it soda, we can call it Coke, but basically that's what we're talking about. Yeah, if you're in the South, everything's Coke. Yeah, what kind of Coke you want? Yeah. <laughs> I got that the first time that I flew on Delta when Delta was largely a, a Southern regional char carrier, not character, carrier. And yeah, that was the big thing. You want a Coke? Yeah, I, I, yeah I'll take a Coke. What kind? coke yeah what kind uh, whatever yeah when i went to california and i asked for a pop they're like you mean a soda <laughs> sure yeah so we'll go with it that. is international men's day 
Happy International Men's Day, SP. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, now that we're all happier, we'll get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of eating with a spork. If you'd like to talk to us about eating with a spork, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. It's 844-843-2871. You can check out our Facebook at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We're on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can see our smiling faces on YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. All right. Are we ready to get back into Daredevil? Yes. Let's go. We're talking Daredevil Season 3, Episode 3 and 4 tonight, which were both published to Netflix on October 19th, 2018. Michelle, why don't you run down the creative team for the first episode, No Good Deed. No Good Deed was directed by Jennifer Getzinger, has 31 directing credits starting in 1998, including One Desperate Housewives, Two Masters of Sex, One Revenge, One Orange is the New Black, Two of the Returned, Ten Mad Men, Two of Agent Carter, one The Man in the High Castle, one Daredevil, four Outlander, three episodes of Jessica Jones, and two Dead to Me. This episode was written by Sonia Hoffman, has six writing credits starting in 2009, including one episode of Grey's Anatomy, two Private Practice, three American Crime, one Daredevil, two Pearson, and one episode of For Life. Have either of you watched The Man in the High Castle all the way through? No. No. Okay. I have one season left, I believe, and I plan to get through it later on in the winter now that I am watching a lot more TV and doing a lot less projects outside, although I will be working out in the garage. So I'm very interested to see which episode that Jennifer Getzinger actually directed because Man in High Castle, it's an interesting show for sure. All right, Lauren, why don't you run down the creative team behind the second episode we're discussing tonight, Blindsided. Okay, the episode is directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, who has 17 directing credits starting in 2008, with three of Misfits, three of Utopia, one of Fear the Walking Dead, one of Luke Cage, two of Cloak and Dagger, two of Daredevil, one of The Punisher, two of The Witcher, and upcoming, two of Cowboy Bebop. That's the Netflix live action show, not the anime from, you know, the 90s, which is really good if you've never seen it. The episode was also written by, and I'm very sorry if I mispronounced this, I didn't have time to look it up, Liwa Nasserdine, who has 10 writing credits starting in 2008. There's various shorts, 24 episodes of The Real Goldbergs as a staff writer, one of The Real O'Neills, and this episode of Daredevil. Is that O'Neill with two L's? Ha. <laughs> A little Stargate reference for those that don't get that. The other guy has no sense of humor. <laughs> no. Uh, so Cowboy Bebop, please enlighten me as to what that is. Okay. Did you like Firefly? Oh, of course. Okay. Cowboy Bebop is better. Cowboy Bebop is a space Western 
following a group of bounty hunters. The two main ones on the ship, the Bebop, are Spike Spiegel and Jet Black. They are joined at various points by Femme Fatale Faye Valentine, con woman, awesome person, super smart, genius hacker Ed, and a super intelligent corgi named Ein. And it's a show about found family and about trying to outrun your past life, but it keeps dragging you in, like the relationship between your past life and the life you're trying to make. It's so good. The dub is actually really fantastic. Yes. And I am a little biased also. It was already one of my favorite shows. And then I got to take about a year of voice lessons and voice acting lessons from Spike Spiegel himself, Steve Bloom. So now I love the show like 20 times more. Anyway, it's fantastic. It's fun. The music is phenomenal. Oh, it has one of the best soundtracks ever. I can just listen to the soundtrack all day. Oh, it's just Yeah. Tank is a classic. Yeah, I would recommend the dubbed version. I've watched both. I would recommend the dubbed version, which is rare for me to recommend a dubbed version over the original Japanese. And the live action is going to star John Cho and they actually Oh, the episode, the character's name is Gran, the saxophone player. Oh, oh from the jazz club. Yeah. Yeah. They've actually cast a non-binary character. They're going to make the character truly non-binary. Nice. And they've cast a non-binary actor to play. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Again, if you've never watched an anime before, but you like Firefly, check out Cowboy Bebop. I'm pretty sure they're all on Netflix or Hulu. Check it out. The dub's fantastic. The music's great. It's a good story. I've been really wanting to do a rewatch. Currently, I'm finishing up Timeless. Believe it or not, I've never finished Timeless, and I just... But now you have the time? <laughs> a little bit of that, and a little bit of I just want to get it done with, because... And I've only got a couple episodes left, because it, was, it streamed its last season, and I just want to finish that up. And then, because of what's going on in The Mandalorian right now, I <laughs> want to actually do the clone wars all oh, of yes, the clone please. wars yes i have several recommendations of watching it in the order that it's supposed to be watched in versus the order it aired and i think i'm just going to go with the order it aired in because it's going to confuse me to go in the order it's supposed to go into i think disney plus has it in the correct order oh really i think so oh i hope so it okay the first two seasons of clone wars for those who aren't aware were written out of order if you were familiar with the way that the expanded universe legends series worked where people would just kind of write at different places and then kind of throw in stories in between places that's kind of what clone wars did and eventually somebody figured out okay here's the chronological order that it all goes in because people at the time it aired were getting really confused like why doesn't this character know this? Why doesn't this character know this person yet? Well, that's true. That's how I'm watching it on Disney Plus. So probably good then if Disney I Plus hope. has it in the right order. If if not, okay. Yeah. If not, it, you can figure it out. It's just, it helps to know going in. Yeah. And the first two seasons, I mean, they're okay, but it gets really good like in season three, especially when that Mandalore stuff comes in and Satine <sighs> and... All that type of stuff. And I, I and if you just watch this week's 
Mandalorian. All of us were just like, <laughs> I'm so Wait, happy. They got her to do it. Like, like yeah. they just actually, I wish they would do this with Ahsoka, but at least we got Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in. You might have recognized one of the Mandalorians in that episode as Mr. Bakshi from the first couple seasons of the show. I did. Of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was like, he looks so familiar. So I went in the IMDb and I found out, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Between him and Sasha Banks and you know who, it was a really good week for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really roundabout way for me <laughs> to get there because that's ultimately where I wanted to go. So there we go. Okay. Let's get back on to Daredevil here. We have the series starting off here in episode three, right after the convoy ambush that was transferring Fisk. And we see Fisk actually making it to the place that he was supposed to make to. Originally, when I was watching this, and I've watched this episode multiple times because of our recording schedule. But originally, when I was watching this, I just thought that they were stuffing Fisk somewhere that was just right next to where the ambush took place. And that might've been the case, but this is ultimately where he had planned to be taken anyway. And we see the very first thing that he was worried about was Vanessa and making sure Vanessa was safe. That kind of continued throughout the next couple of episodes, but he has gone from a jail cell to literally a penthouse suite. This criminal knows what he is doing everything's coming up fisk and for those of you who think it's unusual for the government to have a penthouse somewhere it is not the government usually does have rooms in various hotels just fyi there are times when a hotel seems to be booked full but it's not because some of them actually have to keep certain rooms open for certain reasons and there are certain houses that the government has and everything like that. So for those of you who are thinking, oh, this is just a New York thing. It's just a fixed thing. It's not. It's very common for, you know, like the FBI or the U.S. Marshals or something to have just hotel rooms like this for situations like that. And Fix has two, well, really three things going on in these two episodes. One is to make sure that Vanessa is safe. And Felix, the name Felix comes up a couple of times in these two episodes, not all in the same way, but the name Felix comes up, so kind of stringing those beads together there to make a pearl necklace for Vanessa there. And another thing that he wants to do is he wants to kill Matt, and we'll get into that later. But a third thing that he is doing, and I think this is a method to get what he needs, he's creating a relationship. And I won't say a friendship. I won't say he's trying to turn him or anything, but right now he's trying to create some sort of relationship with Agent Poindexter. Yeah, that is... Again, if you know who Poindexter is, and we kind of mentioned it in previous episode, that should be making you very nervous. If it doesn't already make you nervous, because as we find out, Poindexter's kind of a creep. I don't know if he's a creep or not. I mean, that might be where his character is going. But from just from this episode, what I got is he has a affinity towards this woman. And for all I know, what he's, he's doing stalking her. Well, yeah, he's stalking no way, her. That's creepy. Well, yes, I get that. But for all, all we know is he's trying to protect her. And we don't know that right now. No, when you tell the person who is going to sign the paperwork to allow you to hold a gun again 
that you are having this relationship. He actually has this constructed relationship about it's Tuesday. She's having this type of pizza because it's Tuesday. He automatically knows this. In the story, he tells her everything. She doesn't judge me. And then we find out later, it's like, oh, this is a one-sided relationship because you're a stalking creep. You're not protecting her. You're eating at the same time with the same pizza. No, it is not healthy what he is doing. Plain and simple. The visual language, just everything about how all that was set up made me suspicious. And it's bad. If you've ever been stalked before, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, yeah, that sort of brings back memories. It's done in, I think, a different way than if Matt was, say, tailing somebody. Well, like I said, I have no I, no qualms with that's how, where this is going. I agree with you there, but I'm just saying the way it's set up in this episode, I can't for say 100% that this is the way it's going. But yeah, I see it going there. Also, with Poindexter, you have the whole gambit here that he's struggling with what he did versus the gains of what came out of the ambush. You have the investigation of the Office of Professional Responsibility, which I, this would be the first time that I've heard about that. So I don't know if it's a made up thing or if it's a real thing within the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security. I don't know. But there has to be some sort of like IG office there that they're, they're looking into him. And he's dealing with the fast that, fact that Fisk is basically covering for him because what Fisk said happened in the ambush is not exactly what happened. That Poindexter took out a lot of those ambushers and their weapons weren't up and pointed or anything. So that, that was the whole thing going on there. Real quick diversion. According to Google from justice.gov slash OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility is part of the United States Department of Justice responsible for investigating attorneys employed by the DOJ who have been accused of misconduct or crimes in their professional functions. Hmm, so not necessarily something that's looking at FBI agents, but still plausible because the Department of Justice does have the FBI inclusive of it. And it wasn't just Fisk protecting Dex. It was also Nadim. He came out and... You know, it would be irresponsible for me to like or inappropriate for me to say that they are asking certain questions. They want to talk to Fisk. It would be inappropriate for me to say that narrative doesn't match the forensic report. So it just wasn't Fisk helping him. It was also Nadim. Nadim is an interesting character because he's trying to play the straight shooter and he's in this very compromising situation that we've talked about before. But in these two episodes, he has to deal with the five agents that he lost with the ambush. He was responsible for that for the most part. His wife and his kid are moving out. I don't know if the wife is, but definitely the kid is moving out. And then he seeks what I would consider to be erroneous advice, but you know, it's up to your interpretation, from his boss on family stuff. So Nadine's had a very turbulent couple of episodes here as well. Yeah, they seem to be... Setting us up to expect that he's going to go dirty, 
I think. I'm not sure if he is or isn't. I would like to see him, you know, keep fighting and not fall to the dark side, as it were. But we'll see. I think he's going to get caught between a rock and a hard place as it continues, where in any real FBI operation, what they would do is they would come in, they would replace the entire team because the entire team could be compromised and biased in this particular case. So bring some additional agents in here, have them take over fresh and just continue on with the investigation as it goes. But we're in the world of cinema and they're trying to create narratives and that's what we've got here. So you never know what's going to happen with the boss. You don't know what's going to happen with Ndeem or Poindexter as things go forward. And by the way, since we were talking about Fisk, let's go back to the fact that Fisk is in Matt's head literally and is head Fisk. So when <laughs> Matt comes back, he's walking around and he goes to the is it condos or a hotel? I think it's from, a hotel. It's a, it's hotel. a hotel. So he goes back to the hotel and he tries to kill Fisk and he doesn't get in. And he ends up in this monumental fight with a bunch of FBI agents in the garage trying to get information from Ben Donovan, the attorney of what's going on with Fisk and why is Fisk doing what he's doing. But Fisk is literally in Matt's head and I thought it was just like a BSG sort of head thing. But later on, I think when he was talking to Sister Maggie, he actually mentioned something that Fisk said to him as head Fisk. <laughs> it led me to believe that maybe this is the real Fisk that's talking to him. I don't know. I'm a little no, confused. No, it is his <laughs> mental conception of Fisk. He's taking all of his doubts and his anger toward Fisk and if you notice it's shot with Fisk out of focus and that really is a signal that it's obviously mental he is just not in the right mind he's obviously not thinking clearly which is why Fisk would be fuzzy also um, I'd just like to say Fisk has become the literal manifestation of his Catholic guilt well, Sister Maggie does say that be careful that you don't become the monster. And coming from her, that's that's a statement. I now know who Sister Maggie is, but I'm not for the viewer who might not know. I'm not going to say. All right, now let's move on to Foggy, because Foggy and Karen have been fighting their own fights. Both want to take fists down, both in their own individual ways. Foggy is turned into just this wreck because Fisk is out. He thinks Fisk could be after him. And I think that's a legitimate thing. So eventually, if Fisk gets his way, he's going to go after everybody that did him wrong, including Foggy. And he's in the apartment with Marcy, you know, locked up, whatever. Uh, he goes to the bar to, to try to have a couple of drinks to clear his head or whatever. I don't know. Feel lost in his head or whatever. And Matt shows up. So Matt shows up, shows himself to Foggy, and you think it's because he's trying to warn Foggy off and have Foggy warn Karen off, but in reality, the bigger thing for Matt is he needs his wallet, so he takes Foggy's <laughs> wallet. Okay. Matt is a bad friend. <laughs> Matt, Yeah, there's a term that I really wish I could say, but we're a clean podcast, so I'll just say jerk, and it's that whole... I'm the only one that could take care of everything because I'm daredevil, blah, 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 blah. And I just really like the fact that Foggy 
just goes to Karen and is like, I'm not going to lie to you. Matt's a bleep and we're going to do what we need to and F Matt. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, it's almost like he feels he has like a sacred duty at this point to stop Fisk. He's trying to do the whole, oh, Matt is dead. I'm only Daredevil now. And it's like Foggy and Karen call him out on that. In the meantime, we see, yes, exactly. We see Foggy and Karen both being like, good on you for going and doing that. But we're going to be over here doing this our way. So you have Karen trying to get the shadier stuff out in the open. And you have Foggy who decides he's going to run for district attorney. He doesn't start out that way. He starts out with just wanting to help Blake Tower in taking Fisk down. Blake pushes him away, says, get out of here. Foggy says, that's fine. I'll get out of here, but I'm taking my check with me or I'm canceling my check, whatever. So he talks with Marcy and then Marcy says, you know what? You should just run. Whether or not that you get elected, you will bring the issue forward. It's a single issue writing candidacy is what's going on here. So in order to start that, what he does is he crashes a police union party. I, I forget what the get together was actually there. And he steals the stage, literally, and he convinces all these cops to back him on some sort of petition that you need for a write-in candidacy in New York. And he is starting his campaign over Blake Tower. So I don't know how this is all going to go on with his non-friendship with Blake or not, but Foggy's in the mix right now, and he feels like he's doing something. Y'all listeners don't know because it was before we started recording, but we actually went off on this big diversion trying to be like, well, okay, how do you do this as a write-in in in New York? And it led us to like all these weird tangents of how to get on the write-in ballot for president in various different states, however many signatures you need. Y'all, the U.S. election system is wild, as if you hadn't realized that over the past couple of weeks. But yes, the whole thing is in New York, you actually need a certain number of signatures to get on a ballot. So that's what was going on there with Foggy. So he's going off and doing that. So all in on Foggy right there. Conversely, you've got Karen and she's doing her own thing, trying to uncover the information, bring the information to light. And she finds out that Fisk actually through dummy corporations or whatever owns the hotel that he's staying in, which of course sets off alarm bells to everybody else who knows. And she finally, at the end of it, gets a contact for the bank transfers of Felix Manning. Now, remember that name, Felix, Felix, the one who Fisk wanted to call to make sure that Vanessa was safe. Pretty sure it's the same Felix. I doubt the series would have two different Felixes. It's just such a unique name. That's just exactly me. Same guy. So there's kind of an unwritten rule in writing. It's like the two Steve rule. You can't have two characters named the same thing or else people get really confused. It's one of people's big complaints with the A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones series is people keep naming their kids after each other. So you have five different Neds, several different Roberts, a bunch of Johns, and it gets very confusing. So in a medium like TV, where you only have a set amount of time and you have to rely a lot on audience guessing and putting things together yeah you don't want to have two characters with the same very rare well not very rare very unlikely name 
We also have Karen being set up with Jason, I believe the the nephew of her boss, right? Yeah. And that's on top of her relationships that she has had with the Punisher and Matt Murdock. So that's great. Add Jason in. Basically a red shirt at this point, in my opinion. I feel like that's fair. Yeah. And then she plays a game of gun with some hoodlums on the street. Uh, So she means some business now. And I'm worried about her. We know she can shoot a gun. We've seen it before in the series. And I'm kind of worried where this is going to go, especially without Punisher around, because I don't think Punisher is going to show up in the series. Just thinking that. Yeah. Karen is a lot like Matt, where they have a focus. And Karen is actually, he's like, fine, you know, I'll write the story. I'll investigate it. You put somebody else's name on it. I don't care. I just want to get this information. I just want to get Fisk. That's all I care about. And Matt is, all I want is to get Fisk and I'm going to steal my best friend's wallet so I can pretend to be him to get into the prison so I can get this client that I helped put this client in danger because I want to talk to the Albanians. Oh yeah. This was classic Matt doing solo stuff and getting himself in a very dangerous situation, which I don't think he fully thought through. And it would have been nice for him to have backup around there. Maybe not having backup in the prison itself, but having backup around probably would have made the whole thing go a lot better. Matt needs a minder. He needs a babysitter. This is why I think he works better, especially Netflix Daredevil works better with the Defenders because you have somebody looking over his shoulder and being like, that's stupid. He got the fruits of his labor and he had an assassination attempt. I believe it was an assassination. I want to say it was a lethal dosage of something that was tried to be injected into him, but it might have just been to knock him out. I don't know. And then he has this great prison hallway fight scene that was cool and lasted i timed it right so i timed it it was a total of 10 minutes 15 seconds from the time that he goes out in the hallway and the swinging starts so not when the injection happened in his hand but after the phone call with fisk he walks out in the hallway after the door opens and the swinging started to when he gets in the taxi cab and it goes black it was 10 minutes 15 seconds now there were Two occasions in that 10 minutes and 15 seconds where it was a stuntman. And there was 47 seconds. It was outside of the infirmary. The camera overtook him. So Matt was behind the Charlie Cox was behind the camera. And then there was a new Charlie Cox that was inserted. He never saw his face and he was just getting pummeled, pummeled hard. So I could see why they switched him out because they probably wanted to switch out somebody with actual padding on him and then charlie cox slash matt murdoch crawled out from behind the infirmary table so that was 47 seconds without charlie cox as matt murdoch as a stuntman in there then there was a shorter time out in the hallway again remember when the prison cops came up and they were using their batons to beat him there was another scene or another spot where the camera overtook charlie cox and was replaced and then this was the tightest switch out at the end of that it was only 15 seconds but at the end of that the camera went above the stuntman and focused on the cops that were beating him 
And somehow they switched out the stuntman with Charlie Cox on the ground right above the camera the whole time. Now, the whole scene was shot. It looked like there might have been one case where they, they had a reset. But the whole scene, the whole 10 minute, 15 seconds was shot as one scene. But they switched out Charlie Cox at least twice there. Okay, first off, props to everybody involved in that scene. It was a really good fight scene. And they did it incredibly smoothly, like SP just outlined. So. They've gotten very good at being able to switch in stunt people. If you're curious about what a quick switch looks like, there's a Netflix series called Sensate, and it's about all these characters. They're all head versions of each other, basically, but in real life, it's a whole thing. But because of that, they often have scenes where it starts as one character, switches to another, and then comes back. And if you ever get the chance to find the behind the scenes footage on how they did all the switches with practical effects, it's incredibly interesting. Just the timing has to be perfect. So again, props to the Daredevil cast and crew for choreographing all this. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, we've had other fight scenes, at least two of them in the series. Of course, the infamous hallway scene at the start of the series. We've also had some kind of similar fight scenes in the series Arrow, which Michelle and I covered over on the Starling Tribune. And to that, I need to ask Michelle a question. Did you like this prison fight scene better or the prison fight scene that was in the Arrow episode Slab Side Redemption better? Oh, the Arrow episode. Because it was multi-leveled? It was multi-level. There was just not so much more violence or something it was just a little bit um more yeah i mean this was a good you know fight scene matt was kind of drugged but the slab side was just it was a culmination of something um this is still like early in the season so it almost seems like it's a matt beatdown because of he ends up in the taxi and he's going in the water so we're getting the the breaking of matt as opposed to slab side, which was the culmination of the Green Arrow being in prison, of Ollie being in prison. So, and also uh, there was Bronze Tiger, and talk about backup, Bronze Tiger in that supreme backup. So it's kind of you know the, what they have in common is prison and fire and all the inmates coming out and fighting the cops and the inmates, and you have that, but. There was a lot more physicality when it came to Oliver and, you know, multiple levels. He's sliding underneath bars in all that type of stuff. It's really great. You know, it's a great sequence. Again, I think they're different because, again, there are different parts of the character projector, you know, because, again, we're getting the beatdown of Matt in this. I'd have to agree with that. I believe it was the midseason finale on Arrow that the last full season that they had. and. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, but I I didn't want to say anything in case I was wrong because you know I'm wrong enough. So just <laughs> just wanted to leave that one alone there. But yeah, two incredible. If you want to see another great prison fight, go to Arrow season seven, episode seven. Is episode seven, <laughs> uh, slab side redemption, and and you'll see what we're talking about. It was great, and I do remember the particular scene with Bronze Tiger and Oliver Queen on the third floor i believe and they were walking the um, gangway basically parallel to each other and fighting their way through each side so that was a cool thing to see all right at the very end 
you have Matt in the taxi cab, which goes into the water and it sinks really, really, really fast. Cars don't really sink that fast, but it sinks really fast. And we cut to black screen so you don't see what's going on. I'm pretty sure Matt gets out of that really easily, but we will see next time. And that was the end of the prison fight. Now, the prison fight did include that 10 minutes, 15 seconds that I talked about did include the interlude where Matt gets hauled into a coat closet or something, a clean closet. And he's talking to the Albanians and makes a deal with the Albanians, which eventually gets him out of the prison because they both want to take down Fisk. And they both see Matt gets, what's his name, Victor? Vic, yeah. Vic. He gets Vic to understand that Fisk is playing him and that Matt can help as long as he goes out and he finds the guy that uh, has the information for him. So the Albanian theme continues, basically. And I don't know if we're done with that or not, but Fisk is pulling an awful lot of threads because you see him call Matt, you see him play Poindexter, and he knows when the bunk check is going to happen in the middle of the night. He wakes up and he gets up and he prepares for it before they even get in. So somebody's feeding Fisk information from the inside. That and Fisk is just, I bet the moment he was arrested and realized he was going into prison, he was plotting this. He is so many moves ahead. One of the shows that I watched on Netflix is called The Queen's Gambit, and it's all about chess. And it just reminded me of being able to see eight moves, 10 moves ahead from your opponent and knowing like which opening to do and then which defense. I don't know. There's a bunch of terms in there that I just didn't get, but it's a good show. Again, Netflix. Wilson Fisk. He just knows. And again, call him a puppet master, a chess master, whatever. He just, he has this planned. I'm going to compare the last three series that we watched four episodes in Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil. There's an obvious level up from Iron Fist to both Luke Cage and Daredevil. So we're going to leave Iron Fist on the floor there for a second. Four episodes in. Which series do you like better? Daredevil, Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Okay, there you go. Season two, Luke Cage gets the winner. That's all I've got for this episode. Michelle, is there anything else you want to go over? All I have to say is I haven't watched it further. Um, I think um, you two have. It's four episodes in. We have 13, so there's nine episodes left. Matt better start being less of a jerk soon. Or otherwise, I'm just not going to really care what happens to him because he's really being just too much of a jerk. As a point of clarification, this is all I've seen. I haven't seen any more. Yeah, I was the one who accidentally watched two more episodes because I forgot what episodes we were on. All right, Lauren, last words for these two episodes. Pretty much what Michelle said. It's really hard to sympathize with a protagonist when you're screaming about what a jerk they are. So I really hope Matt stops doing that soon. I do as well. With that, we're going to get into some news.
our top story has to do with WandaVision finally getting a premiere date on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we, uh, we've been waiting for this for a while. They've dropped some trailers. And finally, Disney Plus has announced that the first of its several live-action Marvel series, headlined by Scarlet Witch and Vision, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, will premiere on Friday, January 15th. It's two months away, guys. I'm very excited. And this cemented, this was, I remember seeing this news story come on. This cemented the fact that this is the first year since 2009, 2020 is, that there was no new MCU content. And we can consider this to be MCU content. So 2020 is first year since 2009, because this is going to be in January of 2021. Yeah. Remember when Winter Soldier and Falcon was supposed to premiere in November? And they weren't far enough along shooting it. Yep. Yeah, this this has been a year, everybody. And it is part of the MCU because they, they're talking about how this is launching phase four. Yeah. I get I think SP did you mean like as opposed to like Agents of Shield, which is it's MCU, but like at this point an MCU alternate reality. <laughs> Yeah, well... That was this year, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were very fortunate to have that for us in 2020, but they filmed it in uh, 2019. Good on them. They had foresight. Right. There was a lot of foresight in there. We talked about it in our coverage (sighs) of it, just on the the social issues that were brought up, and they were just exacerbated by what the events were going on at the time that it was airing, and there was no overdub there was no scenes inserted or anything they just went with what they had from last year yeah this year has been a hundred years long and we haven't had any marvel movies in it and it makes me sad that just in my opinion that might not be a bad thing because it gives them another year to revamp their storylines and this to is true think through things and maybe even make things better so we might come out of it better who knows yeah this is true We'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, things work out. Speaking of more Marvel TV stuff, we have our first look at Iman Vellani as Miss Marvel, courtesy of JustJared.com. There's two articles. The first one that went up had her in, you know, her casual everyday look. She's on a bike, looking very teenagery, very cute. And the second one, I saw people guessing maybe it's Halloween or something. She's in a Captain Marvel costume with the, the helmet with the mohawk. And it's just, it, again, it has me very excited. I don't know if either of y'all played the Avengers game that was released this year. No. I liked it. It's a lot of fun. And Ms. Marvel is like the main character in it. And it, it just, I really love this character and I can't wait to see her series I'm just, I'm so excited. There's a lot of excitement about it, so I can't wait to see what they do with it on the screen, for sure. And another Marvel series announcement. uh, In the past couple weeks, it was announced that Oscar Isaac is going to be starring in Moon Knight. The character of Moon Knight, a.k.a. Mark Spector, is the conduit for the Egyptian god Khonshu. The show is going to be written and developed by Jeremy Slater, who you might know from Umbrella Academy, also on net. Well, also on Netflix. This is going to be on Disney Plus. 
on Netflix. And the one complaint, I'm very excited to see Oscar Isaac in anything, especially a property that I like. The one complaint that I have seen from a lot of people is that Moon Knight is one of Marvel's Jewish characters. And it would be really cool to see a Jewish character played by a Jewish person to like, you know, have that outreach and everything. We'll see what they do with that. But yay, Oscar Isaac. Getting to be in Marvel without the Power Rangers purple suit from uh, X-Men Apocalypse. I do think it is great in Hollywood because there's been underrepresentation of minorities in minority roles. I do think that's good. But on the other hand, I can also see it from the fact that they're actors and actors portray different people. They don't just have to represent themselves or uh, their background. So I, I can see it. But on the other hand, I agree with you that let's represent the minorities out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm an, technically an actor and part of several underrepresented groups. Ask me about representation. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I have uh, applied to several voice acting roles and I knew I wasn't going to get them just because I'm a stereotypical white guy. And I'm okay with that. Uh, one story that is not covered in here and it has nothing to do with Marvel, but I'm going to state something about it just because of how it might pan out for Marvel movies is uh, this past week it came out that Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84 will be simultaneously released both in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time without additional fees attached to it. On one hand, this is a great way for HBO Max to obtain subscribers because that's the only way that you're going to see it at home. And the other hand, I'm like, well, it's kind of underhanded, but Hey, if I can see it by just paying one month of HBO Max subscription for $15, I think that's a win. And it'll allow me to try out the HBO Max service. It's kind of like what CBS All Access did when Picard came out and they gave the gift earlier on this year and you were able to see what was on it and, and maybe even try out Discovery, which is what I did. So I think this is a brilliant move. Unfortunately, it might mean that Wonder Woman doesn't earn as much, but it will get Wonder Woman out to a lot of people. And to be honest with you, I think it'll be the talk of the town when it comes out. So I, I'm looking forward to that. And I hope Marvel, to bring it back to Marvel, because we're a Marvel podcast, I hope Marvel learns from this and that we're able to move forward with things like Black Widow. I think right now, Disney, okay, we saw them try an experiment with Mulan, you know, for. What, I think it was like 30 bucks on Disney Plus. And the results of that were mixed. I think that a lot of that is because Mulan got a lot of bad word of mouth from Asians and Asian Americans about representation, liberties taken with culture, things like that. But I think right now, Disney and Marvel are waiting to see, first of all, if in the new year theaters will open, but also how other things do that go directly to streaming. I'm kind of hoping that the movie industry in general starts to adapt to this. Streaming has been a thing for years. Going to movie theaters is inconvenient. It's an experience, which is what people are paying for, but it's inconvenient. People talk, you have to go a place. It's, and then now with 
everything that's going on, I think people are okay. Well, I would say I think people would be scared to go back to theaters and stuff. But as the recent news shows, that's not necessarily true. But it's not enough people to make the current method of everything sustainable. So I think in the next couple of years, we're going to be seeing a lot of the bigger movie and TV companies doing more with experimenting and streaming. I think a lot of it is a little bit too late because right now they're scrambling, but it's going to be interesting to see how it adapts. Maybe it'll mean the return of the like the mid-level movie, because as a lot of people have pointed out, you either have summer blockbusters or you have indie art house pieces and there's nothing in between anymore. So we'll see. I think what really needs to happen is, for example, Disney Marvel puts out Black Widow. Let's say they do it on Disney Plus and it's $30, but they're like, it's going to be available for only two months and it's not going to be on this service for another six months. So you have two months to watch it and then you can't see it anywhere else for like six months. And I think doing something like that will help because all I have to say is I would pay $30 to watch Black Widow right now. And because it's like, I want to see it and I want to watch it right now. Am I going to be getting HBO Max so I can watch Wonder Woman right away? You bet. Um, I'm already, I'm already going to be in that. So HBO Max has got me that way. Having already been a customer of HBO Max, I can say it's pretty worth it. I watch a lot of stuff on there, both HBO Originals new stuff and the older stuff that's streaming on there. Again, this is this is how they get you. Indeed, it is. I've been experimenting with uh, several streaming services. As a matter of fact, uh, just this past week, since I was home for a couple of days, I tried out, even though I didn't have to, I tried out Friendly TV. I have it for the holiday season. And for those of you that don't know, Hallmark is one of the channels oh. that's included in that. And it comes with, if you pay uh, $7.99 a month right now, you get 30 days of unlimited DVR and I think it's $9.99. You get like nine months of free DVR, but there are 40 Hallmark holiday movies. Yeah, I know. Let's get over that right now. There's 40 Hallmark, Hallmark holiday movies this year. And since I was at home under quarantine, not having much to do during the day, I decided let's, let's check out a couple of these and start because I hadn't watched any of them at all yet this year. So I tried that out. So there's that, there is Peacock that came out, and I tried to watch Timeless on Peacock, but come to find out, it's still on Hulu. Fortunately, my daughter shared her Hulu subscription with me, so I was able to watch it there. CBS All Access has Discovery. If you didn't have Disney Plus already, you have The Mandalorian, and as we just talked about, you're going to have WandaVision coming up soon, as well as all the, the past content on Disney Plus uh, had a the tremendous musical of Hamilton on there last summer. So you, you get onesie twosie things on all these streaming services and you can do the Michelle thing and you can quit one streaming service and start another streaming service as you watch things, which I think is a viable way to do things. Or you can go crazy and you can start getting all of them and you can spend more than you would on your cable bill to begin with. And 
part of that is me trying to convince other people that are still in the household, like my daughter, that we don't need cable. We can just do these streaming services instead. I think next year this time I'll be without a cable service because we'll just be streaming anymore. So it is an issue where you combine everything and it gets to be a lot. But since my cable bill, which includes my internet, but my cable bill is like $250 a month or something outrageous like that, I'm looking to get rid of it and then go to these lower cost at least for now, streaming services. So we'll see. Well, and that will be all we have for this week. I'm looking forward to the next two episodes of Daredevil. I mean, it kind of left on a little cliffhanger, so I'm glad we watched the two episodes of Daredevil the way we did. Looking forward to the next two episodes of Daredevil, which I forgot to mention before is season three, episode five, The Perfect Game, and season three, episode six, The Devil You Know. Looking for that next week that's what we'll be covering on next episode and i think what we'll do i think we're all in agreement here is we are going to go out and support foggy nelson for his write-in candidacy and get on out of here I want to thank our audience for listening in. We really appreciate you. We appreciate all your feedback and get us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can get us on our Discord server at goodageek.com slash Discord. Or you can go ahead and leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. I want to thank everybody who listens to us, who tweets at us or leaves us messages on Discord or YouTube or anywhere. I hope that we're helping you get through these uncertain times, trademark. But yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be talking with you. Yeah, thank you to everyone who is patient on our release schedule right now. Life happens. So thank you for understanding that life happens. And yeah, we just really enjoy talking Marvel and really enjoy the fact that you listen. And looking forward to being back here with you two next week. So until next time, I'm producer SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next time. Bye. 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 Wear your mask. Social distance. Don't touch your face. Brine your turkey. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Howdy. Hey there. It's been so long. I know. Probably been two months, hasn't it? Close to it. It's been a month. Okay. I know the bulk of that has been my fault, so I apologize. No, it was everyone. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five weeks. A month, yeah.
Okay. We had to put Pike on Prozac. <laughs> or Pike. He's doing a little better now, though. He We were, we're thinking that he has hyperesthesia, which is when they just get really overly like sensitive to the point where like just normal touch hurts them and they can attack mm. themselves. And he'd been gnawing at his shoulder and a spot on his foot. And he's pretty much stopped doing that. And he's not attacking me for no reason now. So mm. that's good. Well, it's been about five weeks since we've been on here. There's been two major things I think that's happened in those five weeks. So first of all, my daughter, who's a nursing student, got any, it, it's a full-time job, so it's not specifically COVID related, but she got hired on it as, as an emergency nursing assistant at the hospital that she has taken classes at. So she is full up on that. She's going through her, her intro classes or whatever this week, and she'll be uh, full-time, part-time there for- Congrats to her. Yeah, for a while. And then my son, as I was mentioning before, he's graduating from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, with a degree in biochemical engineering. He got a job in Wisconsin, of all places, at a laboratory that is testing COVID vaccines, which is still ongoing. Nice. So he'll be moving up there next month, and he'll be working on that, and then they'll pivot back to their normal stuff. But that's what they originally have hired him on as an assistant scientist. That's nice. Yeah, congrats to him too. Yep. So I got two in the medical fight right now, so to speak. How to brine a turkey <laughs> to keep it extra tender. Clear out some fridge space. Put it in a big pot. You can brine a turkey that is partially thawed. You can't Hi. tell. This is American <laughs> Thanksgiving stuff. So I'll see you guys later. Bye. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.